1: You are listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowan and Jimmy Kemsky.
2: Yeah, what's going on, everybody? This is a BGN Radio episode. I already forgot. What is it again, Brandon? 349. 49. 349. I'm Jimmy Kemsky from PhillyVoice.com. With me, as always, is the man who knew. What episode number this was? Brandon Lee Gowden of of Green Nation, and our apologies for getting to this podcast a little later than normal after the Eagles' uh, Thursday night win over the Minnesota Vikings. But we'll just sort of kind of go over our um, big takeaways from from that game, and then we'll kind of get into some of the news that happened thereafter uh, with the Eagles this week, and uh, maybe some other things around the news around the excuse me around the NFL that you know sort of happened over the weekend. Uh, Cowboys, 49ers, Giants, etc. So, uh, before we get to all that, you need to know where you can find the finest beer in the land. And that is at Wrong Crowd Beer in Westchester, PA. Go in, check them out. Uh, It's a brewery and restaurant. Good food, good people, good beer. Also, you can order it online at wrongcrowdbeer.com or go wherever you buy your beer. Oh, that wasn't me. That was Brandon cracking one. What do you got there? Oh, quarterback the Factory. Cuban okay, Factory with a
1: little Easter egg on the bottom of the can that you can look at if you <laughs> happen to get one.
2: I'm going to take a sip, Jimmy. Delicious. Yeah, I haven't dug into that yet. They gave it. so we had our live show there, and they and they sent us home each each of us with uh, what would you say like eighteen or so beers each. You know, little little shy of a of a case each, but like sixteen each. I haven't dove into those quite yet, um, but yeah, if you, wherever you buy your beer, ask for Ron Crowd beer, and they probably have it if you're in PA in the Philly area, and if they don't, say, yo, dude, where's the Ron Crowd beer? Get it in here.
1: Anyway, dot right. if you want to check them out online. Okay, Jimmy.
2: Where do you want to start?
1: Well, there's only one place to start, and it's actually in relation to... We're not doing the video yet. That's coming soon, <laughs> but on the Quarterback Factory... Can of the wrong crowd beer. You will see a person who is throwing a football with a jersey number (laughs) number one one. on it, and the last name says "So Good." So clearly, you can maybe wonder what that right be referring to. And nobody
2: can sue them for that either. (laughs) Well,
1: yeah, I mean it's ambiguous, but (laughs) yes. Anyway, totally unrelated. Let's talk about the Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts, who I don't know, man. It's a weird start to the season for a player who was very much in the running to be the nfl mvp last year and certainly a huge driver of the eagles success and the eagles and sirianni are what like 18 and one or like something in the last 19 games together like they've they've had quite a bit of success for a long stretch here but i think the biggest thing that prevents people from feeling like everything is happy-go-lucky. Eagles are 2-0, not a care in the world. So passing offense doesn't look right. And I think Hurts is a big part of that. I don't think he's the only thing, but I definitely think that there were plays to be made on Thursday night. I think about the Devontae underthrow early in the game. I know people have said that you know he couldn't fully step into it. I don't fully agree with that. When I've watched it on a replay, I feel like he could have gotten it out a little bit more far in front as opposed to being so underthrown, or if he couldn't have, then that kind of speaks to potential like arm strength issues, not being able to gun that down all the way. And the Eagles only settle for a field goal in their opening drive. You left four points on the board there. There was also a play early in the game, right sideline to Dallas Goddard, where I thought he was really open and Hertz put the ball in a spot where Goddard had to try to make a difficult catch to keep both feet in and he couldn't because the ball was led too far out of bounds. So I think there were plays there to be made that were not made to Jalen Hurts's credit. He had that great throw to Devontae Smith on the touchdown where he did yeah. hang in the pocket and take a shot. So I give him all the credit in the world for that. But moreover than the big plays, like the consistency isn't there. Like there's no like intermediate passing game right now. It's like there's big plays and there's are short, pl- like little throws. But the, the offense is, there's no rhythm to the offense. It is not the well-oiled machine we're used to seeing from last year.
2: Yeah, so uh I'll add three more great throws that he that he made uh in that game as well. The first being the sideline throw to AJ Brown that Brown had like the slightest of bobbles and they called it an incomplete they called it an incomplete pass. It hurts like rolled to his right and he chucked it down the field. Great throw, and he took a shot while he threw it too, and it was right on the money. And again, it didn't count because AJ Brown couldn't hold on. And then the other two throws to AJ Brown. Uh, I think they were on consecutive plays where, um, yep, again Hertz, you know, rolled to his right, escaped pressure, extended the play. That was a great throw to great AJ throw. Brown, and um, I guess on the that was the play where Rashad Penny got called for holding. Thought it was and a then on the Tiki Tack holding too. I agree, and then on the next play, he hit AJ on the sluggo route uh, deep down the field. It was a Caleb. I forget his last name 21 on the vikings very clearly interfered with aj brown uh, on that play with that 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 ball is on the money too that would have been mm. a touchdown if he hadn't been interfered I was with still
1: a little too far out in front
2: you thought so yeah i thought it was a good throw. yeah a
1: little bit disagree
2: We disagree, <laughs> I disagree. <laughs> also i don't anyway. think that
1: was an egregious pi i think it was a bit of a bang bang play i know people disagree with that but
2: yeah, I thought it was clearly pi on that. I mean, it, it's that should the flag should have he got there early, and he pulled his arm down before the ball got there. That's pi. Um, but anyway, I thought those three throws were were really good. But I'm with you. Like so, I had actually just before we started recording this podcast, I was uh, cutting up all the Eagles pancakes that I found in weeks one and two. So my focus was obviously on the offensive line doing that. And I did, you know, I watched all the passing plays and and all the and obviously all, all the running plays for that. Uh, on the pass plays, you when when you do that kind of exercise, you really see what kind of rushes the opponent has. And I had already kind of watched the game and and taken note of this already anyway. But it was all three man rushes with eight guys in coverage mm-hmm. or heavy blitzes. So you know what the Vikings tried to do was mix up heavy blitzing and heavy coverage and nothing in between. So like the, the number of times that they just rushed the standard four guys was, I I don't know if, I don't know if they did it at all. Like it might've been like once or twice. And if not, like not at all. So, you know, after the game, Jason Kelsey noted that this is going to be the name in the game for them this year. They're just going to see what he called chaos from opposing defensive coordinators and opposing defenses. And they're going to keep seeing that for the rest of the year until, you know, they kind of find an answer for that, but that's going to be Tommy Lawler made a great point. I thought on Eagle splits where it's pretty clear that, you know, these defensive coordinators, teams that play the Eagles early on in the season anyway, did a lot of homework in mm-hmm. trying to figure out how to slow down Jalen Hurts and this Eagles offense. And he made the point teams aren't doing that for Daniel Jones. So like, it's almost kind of a compliment that, that, you know, they, they've come up with the, up with these exotic schemes uh, specifically designed to, to stop, you know, Jalen hurts and the Eagles offense. And, you know, we'll see if they can get that fixed during this, you know, mini bye week that they have. It, and, you know, between a Thursday and a Monday game. So they have four extra days to prepare for their next opponent, which means they can do a little self-scouting. They can do, um, you know, a lot more work on on what opposing defenses have tried to do against them, what has worked, what hasn't worked, and what have you. Um, and I expect that they're going to look better week three against the Bucks. But, you know, certainly these teams have had a good plan for Hurts and the Eagles, and they've slowed the passing offense for sure. What's your favorite pancake? Uh, so I can actually name a specific place. Same. Um, it, uh, Dockside Diner in Long Beach Island and they have this like cinnamon swirl pancake where they have like um i guess it's kind of like cinnamon bun like uh drizzle that they put over top of the pancake. Like that white glaze. Just, yeah, yes, yeah, and it's just freaking and it's unfair. Like of course that's going to taste good. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> <laughs> and they got some cinnamon on there too. Uh so yeah, that that's my favorite pancake. You?
1: <clears throat> For me, I'm going to give a shout out to the shady maple smorgasbord in East Earl, PA kind of out by Lancaster okay. off the turnpike. And they have a all you can eat breakfast buffet. It's an all all you can eat all day buffet, but they have, you know, like breakfast, lunch, and dinner, different um, courses. You can choose from depending on the time you go. And they have a pancake making station. And I had them make me a pancake one time with both chocolate chips and peanut butter chips. And that bad boy was just fantastic. It was a great time. So, shout out to them. Uh, Agree with a lot of what you had to say. I think there's a big discourse about, is Brian Johnson to blame for the Eagles offense? Is it the offensive line? Is it Jalen Hurts? I think the answer is kind of all the above. When you look at how... I don't want to say bad in terms of uh, well, I mean, like, let's face it. Jalen Hurts has not been amazing in the first two weeks. And I referenced this on the NFC's mixtape as well, but I wanted to get your reaction because I don't know if you had seen this. Our good friend, Shil Kapadia from the Ringer, uh, Ringer's Philly special podcast brought up that Jalen Hurts' performance on Thursday night ranked 593rd out of 600 quarterback performances since the start of 2022 in terms of success rate, which yeah. is defined, as something good happening when you drop back to pass on a given play. And the Eagles produced a positive play on just 23.3% of Jalen Hurts' dropbacks. And his first two uh, success rates in the games this year are lower than every game of last year. So clearly, he's playing below the Jalen Hurts we saw in 2022. And I think the, the passing aspect is not the only part of that. I think even as a runner, he quite hasn't looked the same. I think he's running at the wrong time sometimes. I think he's holding on to the ball a little bit too much at times. The offense again, there's there isn't a rhythm to it. So I'm not saying that's entirely on him. I do think there have been plays to made that he hasn't fully capitalized on, which is an issue. So my level of concern isn't that is this can't get back on track. The Eagles have too much talent and I guess we should kind of bring up here that some of that talent is not totally thrilled Seems to be how the touches are going. Clearly, AJ Brown was talking to Jalen Hurts on the sideline. Nick Sirianni got involved at one point. Do you make a lot out of that, if anything? No. In
2: fact, I, I did a couple of radio hits this week, and I was asked that Flex. question on both of them. <laughs> where, like, uh, is it a is it you know an issue that AJ Brown is unhappy with his targets or whatever? And no, first of all, it's not anything we haven't seen before. He did that after the after a playoff game. That's what I mean. That's why destroyed yeah. the Giants. They I, I can't knowledge. believe how much
1: play this is getting because it's like, did we not <laughs> right. did that not happen? Like no one's bringing that up.
2: <laughs> right. So because after well, I that did on those radio hits. So. Well sure, but I
1: mean like the people who like want to talk about it otherwise because what happened after that when he did that? The Eagles blew out the 49ers in the championship game and then they went to the Super Bowl and AJ Brown played awesome in the Super Bowl.
2: Yeah. It's so, not a like, big deal. It, it almost, it's a position where you you almost kind of expect it, and you're almost kind of fine with it. If you're a wide receiver and a star wide receiver at that, if you're AJ Brown, you're not getting the targets tar- you think that you should get, then yeah, you're gonna be you're gonna be pissed off about it. And I, I think I'm fine with that. But he did it last year. You know, Devontae Smith did it to in a different way in 2021. Again, actually, this was also against the Giants when yeah they uh they threw to Rager a couple times at the end of the game. And of course, he infamously had the two drops and they lost that game. He was Devonte Smith was visibly pissed off on the field uh, at the end of that game. He felt the ball should have come his way and it did not. So both of these receivers, I think their their personalities are different. Obviously, their play styles are different. But, you know, any wide receiver that's a star in this league is going to want the football a lot. And if they don't get it a lot, they're not going to be happy. And by the way, I think like, one of the the way that you know one of those radio hits was that the question was phrased to me it was like is it, is it a concern that he only has like 108 yards or something like that so far mm-hmm. and no like he's he was very unlucky in that Vikings game where yeah. he had like the slightest of bobbles like again by the sideline that that catch didn't count uh, he had a touchdown catch that yeah the penny count. one, one the which had call. nothing to do with him
1: yeah. like being bad or Jalen not and, seeing him
2: and the aforementioned pass interference call that that wasn't called so yeah I mean I think. Um, you know, if those plays go a little bit differently, then his numbers look a lot better than than they would mm-hmm. otherwise. But yeah, I'm not. I'm not that. It, and even Nick Sirianni was like, I, I what did he say? It was like a, it was like a two out of ten, <laughs> like a, on the uh, on the. You know, I'm worried about a player popping off scale. <laughs> so like, yeah, I think they kind of see that the same way. And you, I mean, you look at like any line of business, people are gonna argue. Like, I, and just you know, in sales, there we are arguments in the office, and mm. like in a restaurant, like it's crazy how in a marriage, like, at any kind of relationship, in a friendship, yes, yeah. So you know, it's going to happen if if uh, from from time to time, and it's absolutely fine. It's not a big deal at all, and I'm surprised that like you said, I'm surprised it's gotten as much play as it has.
1: I don't think it's not. I don't think it's nothing. To be clear, I don't think it's more than nothing because I think. And some of the breakdowns I've seen, including Johnny Page's on Bloodygradation.com. There's some kind of like questionable effort from AJ at times in that game, it seemed like, from like a pouty standpoint in terms of route running. Um, so I think some of that is certainly blocking, and we, I
2: think too. Somebody had brought blocking. up. We'd great. also seen
1: remember the weirdness in last year's Cardinals game where like he didn't even start the game officially and then he played like an unusually a low amount of snaps and he seemed to yeah. kinda be sour. So it's it's definitely more than, like, nothing at all in total, quote-unquote, media fabrication, but uh, I do agree that it's not, like, a long-term concern to me, and neither is the Eagles passing game in, in the sense that I still believe in Brian Johnson. I feel like, again, this, is, this isn't this is just, like, some bozo they hired to be their offensive coordinator, and this is not the same thing as Mike Gro. when the Eagles just promoted him. Like, no mm-hmm. one was coming after Mike Gro when right, the Eagles right. hired him teams wanted to interview brian johnson a lot of teams including like the ravens who everyone is lauding their you know todd Munkin hire and how good the ravens right. look like teams not just like bad teams but teams that people have respect for wanted to talk to brian johnson i refuse to believe he's a total buffoon money might he be a downgrade from shane Steichen? quite possibly that's also a testament to shane Steichen. and also i hate this part of it it's like you can't do anything about it. You lost. A, he's an offense. He, he was an offensive coordinator. He went for a head coaching job. You can't block that. What do you want him to do? You, you do one thing. He goes to fire Nick Sirianni and promote Shane Steichen, the head coach. Like, I don't like there is no you can't keep him. You can't the whole lamenting a thing when, like, you can't even have the option of keeping that person. What is the point of that? What are people like, doing that? I mean, I've seen some of that energy in terms of like, well, it's like the right, it's like the Reich thing with Doug all over again to some extent, where it's like, oh, Steichen was the real mastermind. And by the way, <laughs> how did that prove yeah. out with the Reich and Doug Peterson thing? Frank Reich got fired, and Doug Peterson is still doing a pretty good job, I think, all things considered. So anyway.
2: Yeah, I mean, he took a Jaguars team that was—I mean, they had the number one overall pick. So they became the the worst record in the league, and now they—they made—they won a playoff game last year. I think they
1: became like the first team in the NFL to like win a playoff game after having the number one pick the year before, something like that. Mm -hmm. Like, it was unprecedented success. Anyway, uh, so I'm—I'm concerned in that (laughs) we're not seeing a crisp operation, and if that sample size continues to widen, then that's only going to get increasingly concerning. But I just feel like there's too much talent here. I feel like Ryan Johnson isn't an incompetent boob who doesn't know what he's doing at, as an offensive coordinator. Joe Hertz is too talented. I feel like there's just too much here for this operation to continue to struggle to this degree. You have this mini buy. there is some time to kind of look at what's going wrong. I think it's well-timed in that regard to see what is going wrong, what isn't working, and I think they're going to figure it out. And I think to a larger point, kind of dipping into the week two NFL takeaways as a whole. Which teams out there are like the full forms of themselves looking all, like firing on all cylinders? It's really like the Cowboys, who I wouldn't even say they've looked that way offensively as much as they have defensively, and then the 49ers. Okay. That's annoying because it's two teams in your conference, but it's also like two <laughs> yeah. teams out of 32. It's it's yeah. very much not it's very much the exception and not the norm to like totally just be looking like your final form of yourselves. And the Eagles are coming off a Super Bowl. They're coming off, you know, an extended season. Like it might take some time for this thing to get together you're two and oh you have not lost a game i'm not saying it means you can't be like frustrated at all and concerned about their overall outlook but i it's just like i think you can give them some benefit of the doubt
2: yeah i don't like the uh i don't just generally speaking i don't like the we'll look at this team instead but uh you know you look at the chiefs for example um you know, they're averaging 18 points per game so far this year. Look at the Bengals so throwing it, two. Right, it, so it happens. The point, I guess, the point isn't like, well, it's okay that the Eagles are doing badly because these other teams are doing badly offensively. Then I don't think that's the the argument here. But the the, the just the point to be made is that it does happen. You know, early in the season for some teams that are that have already mm-hmm. proven that they're very good over you know a, a decent enough sample size of years. Um, and those teams you just say, mentioned
1: made deep runs into the playoffs as well.
2: Yeah. All right. One thing I will say in the on the positive uh, ledger for side of the ledger for Brian Johnson is first of all, I didn't like his I don't like the micromanaged play calling either, but his first five quarters of the season, you know, in my opinion, not great. But then, you know, they kind of adjusted to what the Vikings were doing, and they had mm-hmm. a lot of light personnel on the field, and he just realized, you know what, I'm just gonna run the living crap out of the wall, and he stuck with it. You know, it it worked and he stuck with it, and they wind up outgaining the Vikings, what, 250-something to 28? So, like, you look at – so, we you know, we've we focused sort of on the Eagles' troubles in the passing game on offense. I also think that they've had troubles in the passing game on defense too. But sure. Charlie just – did you hear that? Charlie just went <laughs> I did not hear he just, that. Uh, but
1: for those who anyway. don't know, that's Jimmy's dog.
2: <laughs> anyway, uh, the passing offense has been – you know, passing offense, passing defense has been great. On the ground, they are thoroughly whipping up on teams. Their run defense was great against the Patriots. The Patriots were very clearly going into that game, you know, very likely to be run heavy. And the Eagles shut down Ramondre, Ramondre Stevenson and Ezekiel Elliott. Vikings don't have uh, a very good run game, but they shut down the... I mean, Vikings basically gave up on the run at the coin toss. They had nine rushes uh, on the game, didn't even really try to run the ball. Nine rushes for 28 yards. And then offensively, obviously, we saw the Eagles just run it down their throats. They had success with the run game against the Patriots. They're actually the number two rushing offense in the league right now behind uh, just the Browns. And they're the number one rush defense in the NFL right now. So they have dominated uh, both of their opponents on the ground so far.
1: It's a nice tool to have, but as we recall (laughs) with the 2021 Eagles, there's a ceiling on that. You know, it only goes so far. It can't be like your basis for getting to and winning the Super Bowl, but there is value in it. It can help you win some games. It can buy you this time of year. Exactly. It, It can buy you some time to figure out the passing offense and hopefully be in a better spot, uh, relatively when you do get that fixed, uh, so that's it's it's like a, it's a weird thing. It's like yes, this is cool, but it's also not the most sustainable measure of success moving forward. And also, just from a standpoint of keeping people happy, you you're, you have a lot of mouths to feed here. I don't think AJ Brown. Devonte Smith or Dallas Goddard are signing up for this being the identity of the offense the entire season where you're just, you know, yeah, running the yeah, ball yeah. down the team's throats right. and you're not really passing it too often. So that's definitely something that is at play as well in the bigger picture. But I mean, DeAndre, I mean, you and I were beating the drum of how insane it was that Kenny Gainwell, especially me, I feel like I'm going to take credit for that. Insane <laughs> it was that he got 18 freaking now? touches in week one. Well, DeAndre yeah. Swift had two. And then you see Andre Swift go off for 175 yards on the ground in this game. Now, look, I don't think they can continue to use Smith, you know, or sorry, Swift, Swift, this heavily moving forward. That's not who he's been in his career. He's had nagging issues that have popped up injury wise, not where he's missed like, you know, a ton of games, but have impacted his play and probably yeah. his ability to uh, take on such a big workload. But in this kind of game, it called, the situation called for it. I do think, in theory, at least, there should be. You know, a, like it's not like okay, Kenny Gainwell get zero touches now. That's not what anyone's asking for. But the distribution has to be where DeAndre Swift has to be getting the most running back touches, clearly by far, or at least by some by some margin. Um, so you know, Swift announced himself in this game. He looked awesome. A lot of that was the offensive line looking great, sure, but. I was looking this up before the game in week two, and I texted it to you because I was getting so frustrated. I just I kept stewing on the Kenneth Gainwell thing. Like, if you look up DeAndre Swift's career highs in terms of longest run, which he had a huge explosive run against the Vikings, and longest reception, you're talking about like you no know, sixty yards or so, forty yards or yeah. so each. Kenneth Gainwell, do you know his longest run and his longest reception, Jimmy? I do not. Well, you don't, but it's obviously a relatively small sample size. He only has 135 career runs, and then he only has 460 career catches. But you're looking at longs of 18 on the ground, and then is that he doesn't have a 20 yard rush? He does not have a 20 yard rush. His longest run was in, in 18 yards. It came in is his right? rookie season in 2021, <laughs> That's and shocking. then his longest reception. <laughs> As long as receptions <laughs> yeah. twenty yards, so this is like, what are we doing here? This isn't a guy who's going to generate you big oh. plays. Whereas DeAndre Swift has credibly demonstrated yeah. that he can do that, so it's not even close. DeAndre Swift needs to be getting the bulk of the touches here.
2: That's like Jordan Howard stuff, but minus. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm sorry, right? I mean but that's like Jordan Howard type stuff, but without the punishing like guys don't want to tackle him factor it's
1: so yeah so what's he bringing What is he bring to the table he's fine he's eminently fine he's cromulent if you will but like to be your bell cow back it's just there's no there's nothing there's no basis for it it's totally other than like arbitrary the coaching i'm doing air quotes right now you can't see the coaching staff trust him or whatever that's but like that's such garbage just put how about put the talented players on the field and let them make plays and that's what deandre swift did and that is going to continue to serve the eagles well i believe One last note on the offense here before we take a break and I guess flip over to the defense. Devonta Smith's pretty good. (laughs) Yeah. If you forget, in case you didn't remember that. I mean, four for 131, 32.8 average, insane. Uh, The touchdown really could have had two touchdowns, you know, with the better throw on his first catch there. I mean, not much to say in terms of he's good,
2: but he's good. One more thing on Kenny Game, not Kenny Game, uh, DeAndre Swift, before we move on from him real quick. I done sort of. I pulled all his touches from his last year with the Lions in twenty twenty two, and a couple of things sort of surprised me in you know doing that exercise. But the main thing was you know just about his game or whatever. The main thing was that he. I was expecting to see like a lot of like early career Miles Sanders stuff, where he was bouncing stuff to the outside for no good reason. But that's not what I saw at all. Like, if there was a hole to be had in the middle, like somewhere, like in between the tackles, he'd hit it and he'd hit it hard and without hesitation. And we saw that week two. Um, So, like, that was just sort of a continuation of what I saw on his, you know, on his film from twenty twenty two. Don't sound sound like film, whatever, but (laughs) like he looked exactly like the guy that he was in twenty twenty two when he was really good. And if you'll recall, he destroyed the Eagles week one last year. Like he had a huge game with Detroit. He had a huge game the following week too against Washington. And then that's when he got hurt and he played with an injury for a while, did not Mm. play well while he was hurt. And like, as the season progressed, like he got steadily better as his ankle, it was his ankle or foot. I think it was his ankle. As that continued to heal more and more, he got better and better. And then by the end of the year, like he was playing like at a high level again. So it's not a surprise at all. That he is that he played at a high level in his first opportunity, and I suspect he'll keep playing at a high level uh, in you know week three and week. Buccaneers, we'll get to like the Buccaneers, uh, Eagles, you know matchups and stuff like that. And we all know that like Todd Bowles first and foremost wants to stop the run, so maybe the opportunities won't be there that he had against the Vikings week two when they were daring the Eagles to run. But uh, I still think that you know he's a very good player and a very good acquisition by this team.
1: All right, let's take a break here, Jimmy. And we will be back after this.
0: Canva presents stories to keep you up at night. It was an ordinary work day until... The Singapore presentation is at
1: 3 a.m.
0: The office was shocked. <laughs> That's when we sleep. Maya made it less scary with Canva. I'll just record my presentation so Singapore can watch it anytime. Record and present anytime with Canva presentations at Canva.com. Designed for work. Exaggerations and half-truths aren't new in politics. But now, with AI, people can create fake videos of candidates to sway your vote. I'm former U.S. Attorney Preet Bharara, and I've teamed up with technology expert and law professor Nita Farahani, On my podcast, stay tuned with Preet for a three-part miniseries, AI on Trial. Our second episode presents the hypothetical case of a hotly contested Senate race that is derailed when the leading candidate is accused of using AI to enhance his performance and hurt his opponent.
2: How are we supposed to know when the technology becomes very difficult to validate something as truth or lies?
0: Do existing laws, policies, and government agencies Sufficiently safeguard the political process.
2: Political speech is so tightly protected under First Amendment that it makes regulating in this space a real challenge.
0: And what needs to happen to protect democracy in time for the real presidential election in November?
2: When our elections are so close, where it comes down to nail-biting endings, a few voters here and there can really lead to differences in outcomes.
0: The episode is out now. Search Stay Tuned with Preet wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Back here on BGN Radio, which, in addition to Righteous, I'm sorry, in addition to Wrong Crowd Beer, is also brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. You can go to righteousfelon.com and use discount code BGN15, BGN15 for 15% off your order. I just had some of their delicious meat sticks that they offer there, the uh, the habanero flavor, spicy. It's a great time. It's a great snack, in addition to the beef jerky that they have, in addition to the biltong, and all the different flavors and varieties you can get at Rites of Selling, so check them out. It's the same meat snacks that the Philadelphia Eagles, who are undefeated, have not lost a game, believe it or not, have at the Novacare Complex, so get some for yourself. And it's the perfect game day snack. I feel like you're on the couch, got some mm-hmm. rights selling craft jerky in your hand. You have a wrong crowd beer in your other hand. You're having a great time. Rights of Selling.com, discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. We help. We appreciate you helping support the podcast. Jimmy, why don't we flip it around to the Eagles' defense here? Defensive line still pretty good now they had a favorable matchup in the terms of the vikings were without starting left tackle christian derisaw who i thought yep. would play and was actually active for the game but was unable to really get in there so they had a backup at left tackle and then he got hurt because josh sweat just freaking run him o- ran him over and like injured him while uh rushing kirk cousins at one point i mean josh Sweat was awesome in this game he really had i think what you could say like the the critical turning point play of sure, the game, sure, ab- absolutely, yeah. Early in that second that. half, where he forces the fumble um, on Kirk Cousins and sets the Eagles up for the touchdown. There, uh, which was it was a seven yard drive. Eagles go up twenty to seven at that point. You're like, okay. Eagles, the Eagles got this. I think most people were feeling that. Obviously, it wasn't as simple as writing it out the rest of the game. But clearly, a huge play. Josh Sweat is off to an awesome start. And really, that Eagles defensive line as a whole, you feel good about. John Carter showing shown promise. Jordan Davis is really showing up, not just as a run stuffer, but as a, a pass rusher too. Yeah, You have to feel really good about that. Like, I mean, I think we put the over-under for him sacks this year at like two and a half or so. And he's already at what one and a half? He's so, one and a half. Yeah, yeah, I mean it's a good start.
2: So the so the the plays that he made in that game, and he only played 17 snaps, I think it was, because it wasn't a quote unquote Jordan Davis game because the Vikings just weren't trying to run the ball at all. So they had a lot of their sub packages in the Eagles' defense did, but he had the one play where just I think I think it was the center right where he just smoked that guy and he yep. got a hit on, but he beat him immediately and he was in the backfield and he hit Kirk Cousins as he, as he was throwing. The sack was awesome because I don't know. Again, I don't know if this if it was the center again, if it was one of the guards, but he just blew one of those guys off the ball at the snap, pushed that guy into the tight end who was co- who was coming across the formation. The tight end fell into Kirk Cousins, who then like and then Kirk Cousins fell over, and Jordan Davis just had to touch him <laughs> down. So like he like knocked over three guys hmm. with his pass rush, really impressive. And then he made the big play on the forced fumble on the. uh I don't know if it was a screen or just a little dumped. I think it was a screen. And he, you know, he made an athletic play to get over there, swiped at the ball, got it out. And uh, of course the Eagles recovered that. So three big, I mean, three like highlight reel plays in only 17 snaps. He has unquestionably taken his game to the next level from year one to year two.
1: And the Eagles need that because the rest of their defense, specifically when it comes to, you know, their safeties and their linebackers, Hmm, Not as good. I think they're really relying on this defensive line, obviously, to be the strength of -hmm. that unit. Uh, I thought Darius Slay had a good game going up against Justin Jefferson. And look, I say that when Jefferson still had 11 for 159.
2: Yeah. Some of it was against the, the, I mean, not a lot of that was against not Slay, like people other than Slay. But even when
1: it was, I thought you know the reps were very competitive. There are actually some of those plays where like the ball went through Darius Slay's hands, like catch the ball, you know. Like, yeah, make yeah, play, yeah, make the play. Yeah. But even so, I mean, my standard for Slay's success in this game was like he's not gonna have as good of a game as he did last year. That's like an all-time game. So, like Jefferson can have a big game, and it doesn't even may, mean that Slay uh, did not play well, which I think he did for the most part. I also thought I liked what I saw for the most part from Josh Jobe. I'm not gonna say. Uh, he's an all pro or pro bowler anytime soon. Obviously he gave up that one touchdown, which I thought was yep. more problematic from the standpoint of not being able to tackle the guy once he allowed the play as opposed to allowing the big play itself. Um, but for going up against some high quality receivers and not just Jefferson, but KJ Osborne and uh, then uh, Addison Short as and well. Addison. yeah. Like I thought he, and in his first career NFL start, like I thought he was pretty, pretty for what you could reasonably expect from an undrafted rookie free agent a year ago. I thought he played relatively well. He didn't look like overmatched and couldn't play the part at all. Uh, but the big concern in the secondary is the loss of Avante Maddox, who got hurt, and means the Eagles will need a new option in the slot. How do you think they go about doing that?
2: So in that game, they just inserted uh Mario Goodrich in, but uh, you know, didn't have the full, you know, they didn't have their full roster of players, obviously because James Bradbury missed the game with a concussion. Um, I just happened to ask after the first game of the year, I just happened to ask Josh Job um if he was the backup slot corner in addition to being the backup outside corner mm. um, if they need because obviously he replaced Bradbury in that first game against the Patriots and I don't know why, I don't remember why I asked him that I was because I was just curious uh, and he said no like he said no I, I would not have been the uh, backup slot corner which leads me to believe that if Maddox had gone down in that game then Bradbury would have slid inside Joe would have come in to play outside and I think going forward against this Bucks team you you know you got and again we'll get into more of this in the next episode when we look at the matchups but You got Mike Evans, who's 6'5", 230-ish. You got Chris Godwin, who's like 6'1", well over 200 pounds, and is a—like, both of those guys are just big, physical, mean, tough receivers. I don't think you want Mario Goodrich covering those guys, so I think, uh, you know, they'll kind of go big against uh, that team, and that'll mean, in my mind, Bradbury sliding into the slot— and Job coming in off the bench in nickel, but playing outside, and then of course uh, Slay starting on the outside as well. So I think that's how they do it for now. But mm. I think that's a band aid approach. I think mm. they need to find. I think I think Howie is going to be on the hunt for an outside mm. slot corner to add to the roster. Outside slot corner. I mean, from like outside the organization. Gotcha. External. Uh yes.
1: Yeah, I have a tough time seeing it. Be as simple as putting James Bradbury in the slot. Like that's something the Eagles experimented with for a couple days in training camp. It wasn't like he was there extensively. Yeah, it's not really the case, and it seemed more of like a matchup thing than it did. We love James Bradbury as a full time slot player now. Same kind of thing applies to there was. There's been a lot of talk about like. Or why aren't they playing Nolan Smith more an off-ball linebacker? He did that in training camp. He didn't do that like through all of training camp. He did that in part because the Eagles were so light at linebacker for sporadic there, reps because, there. Yeah. Yeah, Nicobe Dean was hurt. It's something they can do from time to time, but it's no indication that there's a full-time position change or something so sweeping or dramatically different than expected. So yeah, I think it's gonna be Job on the outside with Bradbury coming in to play the slot in certain situations. Um, but I also think it's kind of a figure it out as you go kind of thing. Is that having success? Then yeah, you're going to stick with it. If it's not, then maybe you, you mix with putting, and maybe anyway, you mix with putting good rich in there for some of the snaps. So that it's not the same thing all the time. Um, defensively against the Vikings, as you mentioned, I mean, Eagles were obviously lights out against the run, which is, that's nice. There's definitely value in that, but at the same time, uh, concerns about the past defense in part just because of the talent. I mean, they're looking pretty thin at linebacker here, especially with Nicobe Dean out of the lineup. And when your safeties are Terrell Edmonds, who did not have a good game and Justin Evans, who made some plays, but still is not probably an ideal starter. So uh, it feels like it's really on the line to kind of
2: like make or break
1: this defense.
2: I thought the linebackers were actually okay in that game. Uh, not okay against the patriots but i thought they were a little better against the say Vikings. against the run still but, but not but c- in coverage but certainly it remains a concern area as does i mean and chip almost you know he's probably going to be back <laughs> week 3 um, that's a big deal that'll help and you know we'll see if they make a deal for a safety or a line, or a hybrid guy like a jeremy chan or something like that mm. uh at the trade deadline we'll see um but um yeah, I mean, you just look at the players that they have there and, you know, they'll get N'Kobe Dean back at week six and he still has plenty to prove. But, uh yeah, certainly the pass defense and, you know, credit the Vikings for making plays in that game, too. I mean, some of the catches that Justin Jefferson made in that game were pretty ridiculous. Yeah. And, you know, as you mentioned, Darius Slay was in the right spot uh on a lot of occasions but just didn't finish for whatever reason i think his play has been encouraging by the way you know you and i both were concerned that maybe his season last year didn't end very well yes Um, and we were concerns that maybe that would carry over into 2023 but so far so good well we'll see how Um, he does late in this year but yes early on he's playing well again yeah yeah so yeah i mean he's got that you know he's he's sort of got a going to show that as well but at least at least passed this test where he looks good early on in the season and that's a good sign for for their you know for the back end but I think the the pass defense is going to be fine ultimately because mm. as we mentioned like Josh Sweat is playing at like a certainly at a pro bowl level not too far off from an all pro level like he had the forced fumble he had five QB hits in that game so he was all over uh Kirk Cousins in that game you know we already talked about Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter, Fletcher Cox has been really good so far this year. By the way, too, uh, very a surprising. Uh, Milton Williams has played really well. We, we haven't seen anything yet from Hassan Reddick. Like they've had a really good pass rush so far this year, and we haven't. And and part of the reason for that is because he's got that thumb injury that he gets surgery on. He's playing with a cast, and it's going to affect you know, some of the some of his pass rush repertoire. Um, I have no doubt that he started kind of slow last year too, by the way, like at least Mm -hmm. in terms of uh, stats, like in the sack column, he didn't have many early in the season. Then he got really hot uh, at the end of the year. So I fully expect him to start, you know, putting numbers on the board at some point, but for the Eagles pass rush to be as good as it's been so far without him really doing all that much yet is pretty impressive. And when he does start to hit his stride, you can kind of watch out for, for what the Eagles can be. Uh, so they're going to look a lot. I mean, like, like, you look like the Cowboys and <laughs> what they've been do, doing mm-hmm. to what, what they did to the Giants and the Jets. I think the Eagles can look like that. That's kind of the
1: positive sell on the Eagles as a whole. It's like they're not even playing their A game across the board and yeah. they're 2-0. and And they look good in a number of ways. So if they can't get And not get against things, like the thing-
2: scrub teams. Like the, both of those teams are decent teams.
1: I agree. They're I think both zero and two. To, <laughs> I mean, they're both yeah, but they're like they're teams. not <laughs> yeah. they're not like um, you know bottom five pick, yeah. kind of. Whereas the Washington Commanders, who are two and zero, I think you can say have played potentially two of the bottom five teams in the NFL, and the Cardinals certainly, and then potentially you could argue the Broncos, who I don't think have looked great mm-hmm. um, and have not been great for a while, and were bad last year. So yeah, I do think that's worth noting. Again, not juggernauts; these aren't juggernaut teams, but they're also they're not like just like, they're not worthless teams. They're they're in the middle. They're in that big middle that you typically right. happens in the NFL, where like if you you do a power rankings, it's kind of hard to separate. Let's say like you know yeah, they're in the team until yeah. like twenty two. That's like a it's a very there, there might not be much separating those teams. So yeah, and uh could have been worse. All right, anything else in the defense? Uh no I think that's about it
2: um yeah I think we covered it all
1: well let's take a another break here well I guess the last thing I'll say uh no, I've referenced Johnny Page here multiple times but check out his Eagles all twenty two defense takeaways he had a lot of uh good notes on Sean Desai and basically without spoiling the article but to sum it up and tease it a little bit a lot of like creative different things you're seeing yeah from Sean yeah, Desai, yeah we probably should have talked to- a
2: little bit more about Sean Desai. Um, not content to just play soft shell coverages all day, he does mm. mix it up, and we're gonna I think we're gonna see him try to do more to confuse the good quarterbacks that the Eagles face than certainly Jonathan Gannon did a year ago and ultimately has not blown two fourth quarter leads
1: like Jonathan Gannon has already <laughs> this yeah. year, and well, going to the Super Bowl, you would say three so. Yes, I do think we're seeing some positive signs there. I would say any issues with the defense have been more talent-related, or at least more so talent-related than coaching-related to this point. So that is something that I think has been kind of underrated as an encouraging thing for the defense. All right, now we will take a break after we hear... Well, we're going to take a break as you're hearing a word from...
2: These messages from Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors. You mean? Oh, sure. Yeah. Sorry. Actually, we talked about the pancakes before. Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors makes a mean wow. pancake. I don't know, like, if realtor. I think there's a law against realtors offering, like, um, you know, like Services. Uh, perks for mm. you know using them as realtors, but. We could probably work something out where we can get you a pancake, maybe. I don't think anyone's going to raise a big stink over that. But yeah, if you're looking to buy or sell a home, your home, buy a new home, all home things related, call Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, 856-906-9295. Again, 856-906-9295. Brandon?
1: Back after this.
2: Kristen Rocha of Roach Tours, Roach trail Tours, Roach trail Tours. Kristen Rocha of Roach Tours. She's the greatest. Eight five six nine oh six nine two nine five. Eight five six nine oh
1: Back here on BGN Radio, where you can also go to roachrealtors.com if you want to check out Kristen Roach on the internet. Jimmy, it's time for our final segment. Let's look forward a little bit. We're going to have our Eagles-Buccaneers preview for week three, Monday Night Football. We're going to record that on Friday, September 22nd. But figured we should get to some of the things, the happenings that have happened And obviously, Eagles lost Avante Maddox. As we said, they officially placed him on injured reserve, torn pectoral, believed to be out for the season. I think it's quite possible that Avante Maddox has played his last game in Philadelphia. Not definite, but like that possibility does exist. He's due a ten million cap number next year, and he'll have missed, I believe, like twenty-four out of possible games between twenty twenty two and twenty twenty-three. He's obviously had some injury issues prior, so that's kind of an issue. That's a
2: conversation for down the road, but that's just I think worth mentioning. He's got a base he, of six point eight five, I believe base salary of six point eight five. He ain't seeing that. Like, there's no way he's the Eagles are going to pay him a base of six point eight five. Yeah. He might take a pay cut and then come sure. back, and, but he, next year, twenty twenty four is the last year of his, of the contract that he that he, that he got. You know, the contract extension that he got basically when that whole draft class did minus yes. Matt Pryor. So Jordan Milata. <laughs> Dallas Goddard, Vontae Maddox, and Josh Sweat all got extended uh, in the early part of the 2021 season, was it? Yeah. Yep. Um, and he was one of those. So, yeah, he, his contract runs through 2024. And, yeah, I'm with you. I think, at a minimum, the Eagles are going to be shopping for a slot corner in the 2024 draft, I think.
1: So he's on injured reserve. The Eagles signed Britton Covey from the practice squad to the roster I think there's still a lot of ire out there, or some at least, about Britton Covey. He fumbled a
2: punt. That was very odd to me. (laughs) It (laughs) is. He fumbled, which, no, yeah, okay, so like get mad at that. I'm with you, but. That was bad. He had a great return against the Patriots. (laughs) He had a 25 yard return, like bouncing off guys, breaking tackles, and he's very clear. Like, there's no question that he is by far the best player on the team at fielding punts. Um, Like, the idea that they're going to call up. Devin Allen or something like that to return kicks or punts or something like that is just insane to me. Uh, that's it's like, you know, I hate to use the phrase like this isn't Madden, but it's not, a, it's not Madden like that. That's for, my like, phrase. You be, can't take that. Being able to field punts is way harder than it looks. And uh, he's been the best at the team at doing that. And I think he's been, f- he's been fine as a returner, like getting yards after yeah. the, you know, like, um, like he's had a good punt return average from the second half of last year on you don't want to see the fumble of course he takes a lot of big hits which of course could lead to fumbles or whatever uh, he's got to get that cleaned up clearly where he, he can't be he can't be coughing the ball up when you have an elite offense mm-hmm. and um you know stops are hard to come by in the nfl uh, so you know I mean, I mean it doesn't take hashtag analysis to say stop fumbling but they need jason peters on the sideline to say like no more fumbles to him <laughs> i forgot about that uh Eagles also signed Tiawan
1: Mullen to the practice squad. He's a guy who was on the practice squad a little bit earlier. Again, someone with a nickel cornerback background, so that's more depth with Vontae Maddox on IR. Mm -hmm. Also added Bryant Kobach to the practice squad, a running back from Toledo. Toledo he was a UDFA last year and you know with Kenneth Gainwell missing week two with a ribs injury and then Boston Scott suffering a concussion in week two I imagine the Eagles wanted to have a third running back in the organization for at least just for at least for practice purposes to have you know that kind of depth there so uh, also I should note that Rashawn Evans no longer on the practice squad sounds like he asked to be released I haven't really seen him land anywhere else so I don't know what's going on with that kind of Unfortunate from a standpoint of, you know, he was giving the Eagles more depth at linebacker where they're still pretty thin because they only have Christian Ellis, Zach Cunningham and Nicholas Morrow. I thought I
2: thought Morrow had a decent Morrow, game. Morrow was I, fine in that game. Yep. I agree. I think it's quite he, possible. Oddly, he went from like guy who got cut the yep. guy who got signed to the practice squad to the green dot guy. He, so yeah. he was relaying the calls from Sean to side to the rest of the team. Which uh, you don't, I mean, that kind of uh, ascension you don't see that very. And often. I think if he continues on the ch- current
1: trajectory of his first game, I think it might end up being like him and Nicobe Dean <laughs> as your starters Could once Nicobe gets back, as as opposed to Zach Cunningham being in there. Although we'll, we'll see. Elsewhere in roster news, the biggest thing, honestly, how did we not lead the podcast with this? Aaron Sipas in his reign <laughs> of terror is finally over. We're finally free from a dude who absolutely. Crap the bed in each of the last two Eagles playoff losses. He's gone. He's no longer around. I mean, he's out there in free agency. But Eagles signed Braden Mann, who we've brought up here before as someone who they wanted to add earlier this offseason. But the Steelers claimed him earlier than the Eagles could claim him. He lost a training camp battle to Presley Harvin, who looked good the other night. I don't know yeah. if you caught that game. But I he did. Did some really good punts against the Browns. Yeah. So I think it's always like it's a nice sign at least in theory, when you're losing out to a guy who's playing well, because it's like, oh, you just got beat out by a better right. player, as opposed yeah. to like, you know, this wasn't like a Ty Zentner-Aaron Sipos situation here, where, uh, you know, you're getting beat out. but Also, the player who beat you out isn't that good. So, uh,
2: Brayden Jimmy, what do you got? Well, Sipos, let me first say, like, week one against the Patriots, he had the play where, I don't even think he mishandled it. I think he thought it might get, like, he had, like, he heard footsteps maybe or something and he just held on to it. And then mm. he took an extra couple steps and then punted. And then there were like five guys down the field illegally. <laughs> so mm. they had to repunt it and it didn't, it didn't hurt him ultimately,
0: but it did hurt him from the standpoint okay, of, it I was mean, a, like it, was, it, was a, it wasn't, it was a 10 yard penalty and that yeah. set
1: up the Patriots first touchdown drive. So it wasn't, it irrelevant. wasn't, it wasn't a devastating, like,
2: uh, just dis- every yard counts yards. Jimmy football is a game of <laughs> inches. You can't just give the team free 10 yards. And then, uh, in week two, he had four punts. Two of them were of the pin deep variety, and two of them were the open field like blast away variety, and they were all bad. So both his his open field punts were both short. One of them got returned for a big return, but he fumbled and he was got the ball back. Mm-hmm. So maybe Aaron Sipos knew that that guy was going to fumble. <laughs> <laughs> it's rolled my eyes. Uh, and then the two uh, pin deep punts were also bad. They like there's the you know inside the twenty uh, stat, which is meaningless. You want you want to be pinning guys inside the ten, and he didn't mm-hmm. do that. In fact, one of the pin deep punts was was returned, which you don't want to see. Like it's easy to put just put a lot of hang time on those and make sure that you know the guy isn't going to get any kind of return at all in those situations. And that mm-hmm. was sort of his forte with the Eagles was he was at least a decent pin deep punter, but he's in he's bad. Yeah, he was bad uh in in that game and and you know really wasn't great against the Patriots either so you know, he's gone and i don't think he's coming back I, I think that if braden Mann is bad they go to option number 3 and i so uh, my understanding oh wow is that, inside knowledge here. <laughs> is that if they do go to option number 3 it would it'd be pat o'donnell so the eagles were choosing yikes he sucks between he's between pat good. o'donnell and um And Braden Man, and they went Braden Man because he's young. Like he got it was a six round pick. Just why no Blake Gilligan? Blake Gilligan's clearly better. I don't know, man. But that's what I hear. I, in fact, I'm gonna pat myself on the back. I had the Braden Man news three days ago. Wow! And Kaplan scooped me. I was, (laughs) I was doing the eagle a solid solid waiting, waiting for them to tell Sipos that he was out before I broke it, Mm. and then. Kaplan swoops right in right in, scoops me. a uh, little uh, inside baseball on that one. How much of that sucks when that happens. Uh but, but but you're not mad about it at all. <laughs> but I'm not mad, it's no problem. Uh <laughs> anyway, they have a new punter. Braden man, 6 round pick, was with the Jets for three years. Ask any Jets fan. They hate him. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> and they uh, they don't think he was a very good punter. I don't know. Like I haven't watched his punts, but if you look at like so the punt runs the at at punt run at mm-hmm. is it at the punt runs or at punt run whatever they're like the sort of the the guys on twitter that really keep tabs on the punter on the punters and if you look at like Braidman's man's uh epa per punt is like he's 24th in the league last year and he actually is the same kind of punter in theory as aaron mm-hmm. Sebastian and that he's not great in open field punting but he is better at pin deep punting so we'll see how it goes I think he's got a better leg than Sipos does. Like there's a lot of college highlights out there of him like hitting bombs. Uh so you know, we'll we'll see what he is uh with the Eagles. Kind of go into it with an open mind, maybe, and and, and see what he does and you know, kind of take it from there. He can't possibly be worse than Aaron Sipos.
1: I have some punter analysis for you. Last year, Aaron Sipos created thirty-two out of thirty-four punters by pro football focus. Take it for okay. what it's worth, but he was twenty-seventh in average net yards any for punt. And he was 25th in average hang time. So Who is yes, this? Sipos. Oh, he clearly Sipos. Clearly okay. was not good last year. Great yeah. right man, <laughs> yeah. by comparison, <laughs> was their fourth best punter. He really? He was 21st in average net yards per punt. So that is six spots above Sipos. And he was 12th in average hang time, which is 13 spots above Sipos. So... From that standpoint,
2: I feel like he might be an upgrade. My friend Ed Sass made the point that uh, Braden Mann cost the Jets Trevor Lawrence. Mm. So, <laughs> so during the 2020 season, the Jets were 0-13, and they were playing the Rams, I believe. Mm. And uh, a guy on the Rams had a big punt return, and he only had man to beat. And man made the tackle. And that was a huge play in that game (laughs) that the Jets won. And then, you know, I think they won another game too. And they wound up I mean, they were 0 and 13. It was they were it was looking like they were gonna have the number one overall pick, which definitely would have been Trevor Lawrence. Mm -hmm. And then then they won another game, and then they wound up settling for Zach Wilson instead of Trevor Lawrence. And Braden Mann was a big reason why. (laughs) So like I don't know if that I don't know if that hurts him in your vibes ratings. Mm. But the I don't Jets know. don't love him for that either. Of course that's not his fault. He's making a play and he made an aggressive, you know, he made a tackle. Good for him. But you know, the Jets don't love that that happened.
1: It's a little bit smaller than Aaron Sabas. Uh Sipas is 6'2, 198. Man is 5'11, one, oh, 198, same weight. So maybe a little bit more uh jacked potentially. Um yeah, I don't know. That's all I've got. This is our okay. punter analysis for you. <laughs> oh, I yeah. will say he's younger. He's 25, whereas Sipas is like, Sipas is like an old man. In yeah, terms he's, of I think he was 30,
2: or or, or he's going to turn, like turn 30.
1: 31 this year. Oh, 31. Okay. turns 31 November. So, in theory, okay. if you want to talk about like development, maybe there's a chance that man could be better, whereas Sipas kind of just is what he is physically right. at this point. But whatever. It's not the biggest deal, but I think it, it's clear. We've said time and time and. T- Time and time again, it can't be Sabasa. It has to be someone else. And here's the thing. If the other guys suck, Sabasa is going to be available for you. If you really love him that much and you feel like you made a mistake by letting him go, he's going to be available probably if you need to revisit that at some point, which hopefully they will not have to do. All right. Why don't we get into some takeaways around the league as we're wrapping up here? Sure. One of my big takeaways, I said it earlier, is that there's no perfect team out there. Every team is struggling. My friend is a Lions fan, and I was watching the game with him on Sunday, the Lions by the Seahawks. And the Lions were playing well for a lot of that game. They obviously blew it, including a Jared Goff pick six in there. And he was devastated, and he never wanted to watch football again. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's kind of... And also, yeah, I had heard from someone who covers the Chiefs. Lions that, lost uh,
2: CJ GJ by the way, maybe for the did. season with a torn peck. They did. They thought they lost him on from training them. camp. That <laughs> yeah. was definitely out.
1: Um, I mean, I feel bad for CJ in the state. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, obviously I don't want him to be, to be hurt, but he also put himself in a spot where. <sighs> you were betting on yourself again after coming off like already career year. How are you going to possibly go up from there? There's yeah. really probably room only to go down. And certainly now that he's getting hurt. He's going to be entering free agency again after this off season. And there's no way he's going to be going to be getting the big money deal that he wanted to get. This past offseason. So I don't know what he's doing. and I don't know what his agent is doing, but it's definitely not the smart play. Um, What I wanted to say, what was I talking about? Totally got sidetracked. You, you were, were saying, talking about just other teams around oh, the league
2: and your friend, the Chiefs, the Lions fan. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The Chiefs. I, I heard someone who covers the Chiefs shout out Steven Serta from TGI Football. I will say he was talking about how just how the ire from Chiefs fans after losing the home opener he was saying something to the effect of like seeing comments and he he does like the Chiefs post game show for Arrowhead Pride so he's you yeah. know seeing some of the live comments coming in after the game obviously a lot of emotion in there understandably so not trying to rip anyone but you have Chiefs fans coming off a Super Bowl win coming off of multiple Super Bowl wins in the past few seasons having a Hall of Fame future Hall of Fame quarterback one of maybe the best quarterback to ever play or one of them Hall of Fame head coach saying I'm done with this team <laughs> they lose to the Lions <laughs> without Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones. Like, he was saying like, that was a common yeah. sentiment he saw after the teams lost <laughs> yeah. their first game. So, like, I just think people lose perspective of <laughs> yeah. their team relative to how That's other fans great. and teams are feeling in the NFL. Look, there's a lot of things wrong with the Eagles, and it is very funny to me that we have to keep saying, well, the Eagles are 2-0. and Because clearly, if you have to keep saying that, that kind of does speak to there being issues. If you have yeah. to keep really stating, well, they're 2-0. and But – it could be a lot worse, and it's good to solve have the problems that they're having to solve when you are 2-0 and as opposed to 1-1 or 0-2 to buy you that time to maybe hit your your stride here. And look, they come out of the bye. Maybe they get things together, go down to Tampa Bay. You beat an undefeated Bucks team, which I don't think is truly as good as their record indicates. But still, <laughs> right, yeah, they're not. you're 3-0 all of a sudden, going yeah. into a game against Washington, which I think Washington, even though they're undefeated, looks beatable as well. So um, I... If, if we're talking about, I, I was like overall panic level from uh, after the Eagles' Week One win was like one point five for me. Maybe I'm up to like a two now, but I'm just like was just Nick Sirianni said about AJ Brown. I guess that concern level, yeah. But I'm just really not. the The concern will be there if the passing offense continues to struggle. That will that will exponentially increase as the sample size is widened. But for now, I'm just not there.
2: Yeah, I'm with, I mean, they look they look better Week Two than they did Week One by the way, like they did more through the air week, week two than they did week one. So I, I mean, worse de- worse defense, you know, for sure. Like the Patriots defense way better than the Vikings defense, but you know, still nevertheless looks better. So I'm with you. My, my, my concern level is still quite low. And I, I, I think they will go three and all, uh, after this week. Well, we will get to that in our Eagles bucks preview. Uh, I
1: guess, I talked about obviously the division on the NFC East mixtapes. I'm not going to rehash all my opinions from there, but Cowboys look good. And that's a problem because the Eagles play in the same division as that team. I do think that they've played some pretty uninspiring teams. Uh, although I think Michael jets- Parsons
2: is playing out of his freaking mind the yep. first two weeks of the That's season. A problem. Like the very clear cut best defensive player in the league through the first two weeks. And like this is and in a league where like TJ Watt has also played his ass off. Um, some, Miles Garrett has looked good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but I mean like that guy has just been like an animal. He's insane how good he is. At, like the, just the number of plays he made against the jets. Like guys don't make that many plays in a season. Some of them, and like he was just a just totally harassing uh, Zach, William, Zach Wilson and uh, the Jets' offense all day. Just they couldn't block him. They couldn't like he's just taking balls away from from the running back. Like the one blitz where he had inside on the loop, he got there in like half a heartbeat. I don't know how you block that. And then there was another one where he beat the right tackle, where like you beat him inside, and Zach Wilson went to the outside and he chased him down just all over the field. A complete menace. Best player in the NFL on the defensive side of the ball. And the Cowboys are like the best team in the league. If you're doing power
1: rankings, I think you have to yeah, have them. Yeah, for sure they do. Number I 1. Mean, it's two weeks.
2: Yeah. Sure. And and as you mentioned, like they they you know, we're talking about two teams that aren't good. Like they beat the Giants. First of all, they own the Giants, just the same way the Eagles do. They own that team. So it wasn't I mean, the way they beat them though, like 40 to nothing and the Giants could get nothing going whatsoever. And like you made the point like they they didn't need their I, so they could have I say this with you know, no hyperbole. Yeah, whatsoever. you said this last week. They could have punted on first down and still won that game. <laughs> like, that's how badly they beat that team. And then the Jets, you know, that that game, there was a really bad call in that game on a uh, 91 on the Jets. James Franklin Myers? John it? Franklin Myers. John Franklin Myers. Really good player. <laughs> like, and, and one of the more underrated players in the league. Oh, I can't yeah. even remember his name. He just ran over Terrence Steele and he hit Dak Prescott like, like in the thighs, mm-hmm. and they throw a flag on him. Just a totally ridiculous call. extended their drive, they would have kicked the field goal if like that play mm-hmm. hadn't been ridiculously flagged. And then of course the you know Dallas scores a touchdown, they get the two point version, so it's five free points. Sauce Gardner had a chance for a pick six, he makes that play, and maybe that game looks a little bit different. Yes, but. But the Cowboys still just totally dominated them anyway, and they are going to be a force to be reckoned with. The Niners, not as great week two. Like I thought everything that could have possibly gone right for them did week one, where like Brock Purdy looked really good. Mm -hmm. The run game was there. The defense was there. Brandon Ayuk had a standout performance, which is huge for them if he can kind of turn into that kind of player. And then week two, I thought the Rams outplayed them for the first three quarters. I paid a lot of attention to that game. Uh, on Sunday, because we got to watch games for a change uh, instead of covering an Eagles game. Paid a lot of attention to that game. And um, yeah, I thought the Rams outplayed them for a while. And then the Rams just had two bad turnovers. And that's sort of how that game turned in the fourth quarter. But they looked mortal in that game. And, uh, you know, it's sort of like Brock Purdy missed a lot of, missed some deeper throws down the field, uh, kind of badly too. So he didn't look like the top 10 type of quarterback that he did week one. So, you know, they still have some things that, um, you know, they have to iron out. But again, like the Eagles, they're two and zero as well. The Rams have a
1: history. Prior to last season, at least when, you know, Stafford was hurt and they were kind of a disarray as a whole of giving the 49ers trouble. Like that's mm-hmm. been a that's been a thing for going back years now with M- McVay and Shanahan. Like the, the Rams specifically have given the 49ers a lot of trouble, even when they haven't been as good necessarily as the 49ers. So that's another factor in there. That's why I liked Rams plus seven and a half a lot. And oh, they I ended up covering things cool. to that. That. Was, that was crazy. Meaningless field goal. <laughs> so shout out to the Rams for giving me that yeah. cover. Um, Not that I bet on them, but just for the sake of the picks that I do each week on BleedingYourNation.com. Yeah, you know, I agree that they're certainly a lesser version of the Cowboys, or at least how they look right now. But talked about on the mixtape, Cowboys have some games coming up that not this week when they play what the Cardinals, but coming up where uh, they will be kind of tested a bit more, including against the 49ers soon. I think that's in week five. That's week five, yeah. So we'll see. We get a chance to see them tested a little bit more in the future here. But for now, um, yeah, I mean, it's a, a league, I think, as a whole, any exceptions aside, that is still very much unsettled. And a lot of teams are trying to figure things out. So I think that's
2: where it's at. Yeah, like you look at like the top three teams in the Cowboys, Niners and Eagles, and that's sort of how I rank them through the first two weeks. Thereafter, there's a big gap. To whoever you would have as the number four, Falcons maybe It's was like the top, maybe yeah, but tier like, two kind of team. Who's, but who's scared of Desmond e- Ritter right now? Ex- exactly, exactly. So like all these, the rest of the NFC has sort of been what Packers we didn't even they cover. Or sorry, the Falcons didn't even cover
1: in that game against the pa- uh, the Packers. By the way,
2: what did they win? By? They won by one, right? Won by one point. Yeah, but yeah, F- Packers had like a ton of guys out. Packers actually might be a little, they might Firsky. be a little spicy. Yeah. yeah, you know who's not? They had a lot of guys out. Like David Bakhtiari was out. Aaron uh, Jones, one of their other offensive linemen, and uh, the, one of the one of their other good offensive linemen. His name is escaping me right now. Aaron Jones, Christian uh, um, Watson, Watson, uh, a couple of defensive, They they had two picks that like <laughs> Jair Alexander dropped. It. Speaking of like the Sauce Gardner pick six, mm-hmm. Jair Alexander had a pick that could, maybe could have been returned for a touchdown, and then. Desmond Reno threw another ball right to Quay Walker. And Quay Walker was just like, nah, I don't want this. <laughs> so like, you know, that game could have gone totally different too. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think the rest of the NFC, nobody has really looked all that impressive so far.
1: You know who's not good? Who's that? The Chicago Bears and Justin Fields, oh, oh, baby. It's cr- it's cr- they're, they're, he
2: sucks, dude. He, he I want
1: to almost curse here. I, I try not to curse in the podcast. He <laughs> effing sucks, dude. He sucks so bad and people can't admit it. And he sucks so much. And he did blame the coaching staff, even though he had to come out with a, another press conference after and say this coach as quotes. were are out of see that. No, they were not. You said the coaching staff is to blame for your struggles. F that guy. He sucks. Everyone will give him every excuse in the book to, to find the twist themselves into a pretzel to be like, it's not Justin Fields fault. It's his fault. He freaking sucks so much. Just admit it. Okay.
2: <laughs> he sucks. He's I terrible. Mean, I mean, I'm with you. At he point. has he's talent and, where he can make highlights that doesn't mean he's good. And he's blaming not the consistently staff. good. So like there was this idea that maybe you know he's heading into year 3 people looked at Jalen Hurts in his third year in the league. Oh maybe <gasps> he can have a Jalen Hurts type year 3. No, because Jalen Hurts would never ever Just say it was the coaching staff. (laughs) Like it's the coaching staff's fault that we're losing games. Never would happen. So he's a you know it's kind of loser. Kind of he's a loser. Loser stuff there. That was my big concern with him too. I said
1: that pre-draft process. Draft Twitter cannot take the L on Justin Fields. They can't do it. They just refuse to do it. It's the coaching staff's fault. And I get so worked up and passionate about it. Not because of Justin Fields, but this idea that happens in the NFL we we live through it with Carson Wentz oh it's not Carson Wentz's fault Doug broke Carson Wentz F you no he didn't sometimes the quarterback sucks (laughs) the quarterback gets paid so much more money than the head coach and the offensive coordinator do how about blame them but you don't want to because you're wearing the quarterback's jersey you're not wearing Doug Peterson's jersey most people aren't or you know whatever the offensive coordinator's jersey so people are emotionally compromised they can't blame the quarterback they can't blame the players they have to blame the coaches I'm just sick of it I'm sick of that being the discourse every single time it's not the player's fault it's the coach's fault it's just tired and you just rotate I mean, through the coaches and the player still sucks
2: <laughs> he's also not wrong too by the way he's wrong to say it but he, he's their coaching staff is is garb they're all gonna be gone they're, they're all that whole staff is gonna be gone at the end of this year and fields may be too um I'm not just going to give them away, of course, but they're going to be shopping for a new, sh- a new staff and a new quarterback next off season. It's more than one thing can be true. I'm not saying the coaching yeah, staff yeah, there yeah. is great, yeah, but right. we've but seen I'm enough. Him. Yeah, yeah, I'm there's
1: enough him. signal here. Occam's razor suggests Justin Field sucks. Why couldn't Justin Fields get on the field over Andy Dalton earlier in his career? Was it because the coaching staff was totally incompetent and didn't know what they were doing? To some extent, yeah, Matt Nagy didn't, and obviously the benefits of that organization at that time were to play the young player. But it wasn't coming from nowhere. It was coming from a place where the quarterback clearly probably did not look good at all in practice. And they were like, how can we possibly play this guy? He looks like he sucks. Andy Dalton isn't good, but he's probably doing some things that are at least a little bit better and that we can feel more confident in going to early in that season. But people just act like it's like unthinkable that they could play that guy ahead of him. Well, it's like if he's if Justin Fields is sucking in practice, the coaches aren't just going to be eager to put him in the lineup.
2: I'll make a comparison to a similar type of skill set. It's Anthony Richardson who has looked pretty good. Yes. Like the first the, and with like very with minimal college experience. He's looked and he, like he doesn't have great weapons. Their offensive line isn't very good. Yes. His skill position players aren't very yeah. good and he's made plays. That's the, the the again the discourse
1: is like it's not that you're asking him to look like the MVP. It's like you're asking him to not look like the worst or one of the very worst starting <laughs> quarterbacks in the right. NFL. That was the same thing, again, with Carson Wentz in 2020. It's like the bar isn't – he doesn't need to be having an MVP with the lack of talent and coaching whatever issues. That's not what they're asking for. But like if he can at least be mediocre or do have some flashes of like, okay, uh, he's really doing as much as he can. And I guess some people saw that with fields last year with the big plays he was making, but to me, there was just no consistency and the running is great, but it can't be a crutch for a lack of passing. You know what I mean? Like you can't, you just can't win like that. Somebody had a
2: stat where it was uh, going back to, I think to college. uh, I don't remember exactly, but uh, 320 plus passing yard days fields had one. Mahomes has like, it was either 30 or 60. and It was a nice round. (laughs) That's a pretty wide. Hold on. Let me see if I can find it here real quick. Uh...
1: (laughs) Bears have not won a game since last October, right? I think I saw something about how since Elon Musk purchased Twitter, they have not won a game. I think that's that that Patriots game where uh, the Eagles traded for Robert Quinn after it. This is from He's Jay twenty two as a
2: starter. Jay Kuda on Twitter. Justin Fields has had one game with three hundred and twenty plus passing yards since he graduated from high school. Patrick Mahomes has had 60. <laughs> 60. Yeah.
1: He's That's a seventy eight point eight career passer rating. He's five and twenty two as a starter with a game against the Chiefs coming up here. I just, I just don't get it, man. I really don't. So anyway. That was a long.
2: Yeah, we we we've talked about Justin Fields for a long time, unexpectedly. I,
1: t- I think it's like the big thing, at least for, t- you know how like there's a big thing on Twitter every day or sometimes yeah, yeah, yeah. people have phrased it. Like someone who like is the main character of Twitter on a given day, and typically you don't want to be that person. Right. And Justin Fields is like the main character of Twitter today as we're recording this, so, so that's why it's so top of mind. And I'll get into this more on TGI football, I'm sure, with RJ and Steven Serta. Uh, more of a national focus. You can check that out on the SB Nation NFL show for more of that conversation. Um, but we should wrap up. Jimmy, any final thoughts here by you?
2: Mm, yeah, yeah, actually, uh, just a travel note. Uh, if you go to road games, I think Tampa is like the easiest like city to actually go travel to and, and see a game because there's the airport and then there's a ton of hotels like right... I mean a lot of airports are like that, but Tampa especially. There's tons of hotels all around that airport and this and the stadium is like right next to the airport too. So for me, it's like I fly out, I take like a five minute Uber to my hotel, I can walk to the game. The walk is like ten minutes, and then that's it. And then like you fly out of there. It's the it's like the most convenient place to travel to a game. And by the way, I think that is going to be heavy Eagles fans there on Monday night. For a couple of reasons, the Eagles fans travel very well. Uh, but even go back to like 2018, did they play there early in the season? And they lost like when Deshaun Jackson and Ryan Fitzpatrick went off. It was definitely week two. That was 2019. It, it was super hot. Like 18, people were you're right. People were literally like passing out in the stands because it was so hot out. It yeah. won't be as bad on, on, you know, for a night game. But um, they, that game was loaded with Eagles fans. And when you're coming off a season where you know it's Baker Mayfield instead of Tom Brady, and they're two and zero, so you know they're playing fine. But th- these tickets are purchased like before the season begins, and certainly there wasn't a lot of uh, hype or anticipation for the Buccaneers season. I think I think it's going to be a very heavy Eagles crowd, Pro- potential to be like more Eagles fans than Bucks fans on Monday night. We'll get more
0: into
1: the preview Eagles Bucks when Jimmy and I record on Friday. My final thought okay. is go check out all of our wonderful sponsors. That is Ron Crowd Beer, roncrowdbeer.com, Ron Crowd Beer Company. You can check out their beers uh, in location there at Westchester or in uh, areas that certainly have their beer. You can reach out, I'm sure, to them and find out where you can get it, or if, if not, going to the actual uh, showroom itself not showroom the home base let's say itself in westchester pa a lot of good options there brewery um we we, jimmy and i got a little tour of that gonna probably be doing another event in westchester at some point have to figure out the logistics behind that we will see nothing finalized yet but teasing that for the future as a meet and greet of sorts Right to sell in craft to go to rightsell.com. Discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. If you're looking to buy, sell, or rent a house, you want to contact Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors and com by contacting this phone number that Jimmy will read right now. 856-906-9295. Check out all of our social media information and sponsor information and all that good stuff in the episode description here on whatever podcast app you use. So check that out. If you're looking for more information and clarity and all that, you can check out my work at BleedingGrenation.com, Jimmy Kempsey's work at phillyvoice.com. This has been BGN Radio. We appreciate you rating, reviewing, subscribing, all of those fantastic things in support of the show. If you like it, tell a friend about it. Tell them to subscribe. We'd appreciate it. It goes a long way in helping us out. And we will be back with you for that Eagles Buccaneers preview later this week.
2: Goodbye, everybody.
0: PGN. Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work.
2: Impending deadline?
0: Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So fast. Brainstorm got too big. Ooh. Summarize with AI in a click. click, click, click. Rider's block.
2: Release. With Canva Magic Write. Magical. Stress less and save
0: time at canva.com. Designed for work.